Welcome to the HTXT Africast. It's Friday morning. Oh, God. And in the studio with me today, I have Brendan Lotz. Good morning. And Lungelo Shezi. Hello. It's been a while since I've been on the HTXT Africast. It's good to be back. Indeed. And you had a very busy week this week. You were oh. at the stunningly exciting unveiling of the home affairs, was it? The, the, the registration portal for your... Uh, yes. For your new smart ID or passport. Indeed. I mean, come on. Everybody out there listening right now, I mean, you're, you're probably clutching whatever coffee you've got. You're strapping yourselves into the desk. What did you learn? Um, Apart well, from the fact that you're not allowed to approach President Zuma and you get pushed yeah, out the way. Learned that the hard way. So basically, he was there to um, uh, officially preside over the entire thing. And um, I don't know if anyone watched the news last night. You may have seen one or two short clips of him, you know, giving the keynote speech. But right, he, as much as he was there, he was not the highlight of the day. The highlights <laughs> of the day was, in fact, the um, online e channel called e-home affairs i mean they used interchangeably but they both refer to one thing that the home affairs department launched yesterday so um back in september when i went to the unveiling of the first um two smart id centers at banks if you will recall um the banks had come on board uh, together with governments to start um having a few centers and kiosks where people could go and apply and or collect their smart IDs. So um, uh, the Minister of Home Affairs in September just called a few um, journalists to come and show us around at these centres. And uh, But at, at the time, it was still in pilot phase, but it just gave us a bit of an idea of what would happen once it opened up to the public. And now it's rolled out to the public. Indeed. Um, oh. And so at the launch, he mentioned, um, not in passing, but it wasn't really the focus of the day, he did mention that an e-channel would be launching uh, sometime soon, um, they projected uh, December, but then it was pushed back a bit uh, further down that the e-channel will be launching. And uh, basically, this was just the department's way um, to move towards a more smarter and technological way of carrying out its operations, you know. Cutting- and also to cut down on the amount of people dying of boredom in queues at the Home Affairs Precisely. Office. Right. In his words, he just wants to make home affairs, you know, work smarter, you know, follow modern standards and be a first in South Africa, which it is. And according to him, it's also a first in the world where banks and a government department are partnering for such a project, which I can not confirm, but um, that's uh, that, that was that, that, that were his words. Just on that, mm-hmm. um, a while back I went and spoke to some of the guys that are doing the fingerprint scanning for the smart IDs. Mm-hmm. And... Um, <clears throat> Speaking to one of the gentlemen there whose name escapes me right now, but uh, he cutting said, edge journalism, yes. <laughs> cutting edge. <coughs> but he explained that uh, it is South Africa is one of the first places to where the banks are partnering with Home Affairs. But in other areas of the world, you having where 
home affairs is partnering with banks. Sort of the other way around, yeah. Uh Um, But this is the first one where Home Affairs is sharing its database with Mm -hmm. banks rather than banks sharing their database So that just gives a bit more clarity into the minister, what what the minister was saying. So um, just to get down to a bit of uh, more more details about the e-channel, at the moment, um, it's being uh, the whole bank process and as well as the e-channel, which are linked together. At the moment, it's only open in Gauteng at uh, 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 four, oh, four major banks, APSA, Standard Bank, FNB, and NetBank, 12 of their branches in total, including their headquarters, which are located in different parts of Joburg. So, And it's also being piloted for citizens aged 30 to 35. So if you happen to not be within that age bracket, if you're 29 or if you're 36 or any other age outside that uh, little bracket, you're going to have to wait a bit until the pilot phase is over. And they're projecting that with this pilot phase, they may be targeting around, you know, few an, an odd million number of citizens within so the So basically industry. what you're saying is that nobody sitting in on this podcast can use this service. Yes, I'm too young. He's too young and you're too old. (laughs) Thanks. Thanks a bunch. Sorry. (laughs) Well, it doesn't really matter anyway, does it? Because, like, um, the the site crashed, didn't it? Yesterday. Yesterday. It it crashed. I think it was about an hour and a half, two hours after the press conference was finished. Yeah. That's correct. So, um, on what day was it? It's Wednesday. On Wednesday, when I was. just checking in on the websites in the evening at around half past six. It was working quite well. You know, it was fine. Everything was smooth, although I didn't complete the actual process because you do, you do need to have the right ID number and everything to just go, go on to the next step. Right. So right up until... I'd say, you know, you know, when it starts gain, gaining traction on Twitter and media and more people start hearing about it and more people start visiting it, I guess that's when it just came to, uh, well, to, to, to the most that it could handle the actual website and the traffic was so much that it crashed. Mm. And, but it kept on crashing and coming up but then reached a point where it was just completely was taken down right. and the IT department had to you know just run around to figure out a plan and when I asked the official spokesperson what was going on he was just he explained to me that no they are experiencing a few issues with the <laughs> traffic but as of this morning when our colleague Charlie tried it out it was working fine so yesterday was just one of those things where oh everyone knows about it and everyone's flocking to it and they want to see how it works and the traffic is just way too so in other words they they underestimated the the popularity of this site. I mean, when the president is there, you know, it, already it's a drawing card towards, oh, what's happening? Let me check it out. So, you know, you've got to be prepared for those kinds of things. Yeah. But, I mean, big ups to them for bringing it back up by today. Because normally, you know, people don't really trust um, government websites or anything that has to do with government. They don't tr- trust that it will be efficient um, for a long time. They'll think, oh, no, it will be down for a week. It's fine. We expect uh, we expect this from them. Well, this but, you is know, the thing, big though. ups to them for fixing it in a short space of time. Yeah, but this is the thing, though. I mean, it's like they, they the first their site crashes. I mean, also, what's the security like on it? I mean, because you are entering your ID number and your banking details in there, right? True. So <clears throat> I'm assuming that the portal is secure. Um, um when I I did ask that question in terms of uh, security, I did ask the spokesperson, the home affairs spokesperson, about that question because it was also just a question in my mind. Because as you are, well, there's an option on the e channel for you to pay for your um, a smart ID, which is 140 rand, or passport for which is a 400 rand via uh, EFT. So what it what it will, what it will ask you is that it will ask you to um, type in your bank. 
and your account number into that portal. Mm-hmm. And then just to uh, get that approval from Home Affairs um, and link and link to the bank to just uh, get that payment approval. But you won't be processing the actual payments on the Home Affairs website. You'd still have to go onto your bank's app or website to complete the you know um, whole payment as you would do any other payments when you're using online bank services. So and and also there's also the whole um, ID number and residential. You mean you really um, putting in your most um, personal. personal and most um, uh, what? So we say uh, that the details that are the most lucrative exactly, for anybody who important. decides that they want to steal your identity. Great, it's your right. ID number and your bank details. So <laughs> when I asked uh, these questions, they said that well, of course, they were not very specific at the time, but that it's highly they are highly security conscious, and as well as the fact that since banks are a financial entity, they're also very concerned about security, and that um, these two parties have worked together to make sure that no one's going to go hop on there and pretend to be Nick and do this entire process. <laughs> go ahead. I don't have any money. And steal your... <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's not worth stealing my identity. <laughs> well, now they know if they ever tried to do that and steal your banking details. So they... I seriously think that's one of the reasons my identity hasn't gone... They, they should probably have broken in a lot of times and gone, look at this loser. <laughs> there What's he the is point? trying to make a payment. So he did say that the fact that you're not paying for the actual thing on the Home Affairs website but still having to go to your bank's website that that will the security of your funds will be determined by your bank's website and app so it's not a it's not, home affairs has no control over um the payment being processed from your bank they just get access to um your the funds coming into home affairs from okay. your bank okay exactly <coughs> so it's not like you're putting in your password on the home affairs so it's not like someone channel. could like nick your stuff with a sim swap which recently no. happened yeah. with uh, uh, several fnb customers yeah yeah so yeah i'm as far as security is concerned i'm i'm ever the optimist yeah. in terms of this <laughs> i'm um, just the opposite basically because it is home affairs and the banks working together yeah and i think that if either one of those parties were to slip up in terms of their security Mm -hmm. um, it would be disastrous for either one true Mm. so I think in terms of caring about their own reputation as well as the customers Mm -hmm. to make sure that that's put out there um, mm -hmm. is is, I I kind of trust them when they say that they have taken security very seriously yeah um, for me, well, not for me. What they have been emphasizing over, well, since this entire thing was in, with smart IDs actually yeah. announced in 2013, that the main reason behind um, doing away with ID books and you know making all of us carry smart IDs was to tackle the problem of identity theft. Yeah. Because um, anyone with an ID book right now knows that. Um, uh, you had to take your ID photo at maybe your local photography sh- photography shop or just, you know, some guy by the corner who takes ID photos. And then you go ahead and give that to Home Affairs and they put it in to the book and then they laminate the yeah. book just to cover the photo and your details. Mm-hmm. But the way that fraudsters used to steal people's IDs or create new IDs, they'll just open that laminated, yeah. laminated page, take your photo out, put someone else's photo in. And it, it's literally pages. So it's, it's with the barcode. I mean, the barcode, you could, there's only so much security a barcode can have. Exactly. But the rest of the book are literally uh, paper, yeah. made of paper. Well, with the smart ID, you know, there's a chip inside. The photo is digital. It's processed from home affairs. Everything's you don't, on a secure exactly. database. So nothing 
it'd be very hard for someone to take your smart ID card and alter it completely to have someone else's photo and fingerprint and signature. So now they're saying that with the smart ID, we're trying to tackle identity fraud yeah. w- uh, with a new, you know, more technological um, product than an ID book. So I, th- I think it is worth mentioning, though, that... Um, uh, it's not going to be impossible, but yeah. it's surely going to be harder. It's not yeah. to say that it will never happen now. Yeah. You'll never be caught in identity theft, but yeah. it, it's making it harder to do that. Yeah, well, so I think that's ju- worth mentioning. Let's just hope that the uh, home affairs and all these banks have more up-to-date software than a certain law firm in Panama. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Hashtag Panama Papers. Oh, what did we think of this? When you when that story broke, brilliant journalism. First it was of all. brilliant journalism, yeah. But um, I mean, I don't know about you guys. I I, I read it, it was like, um, okay, so super wealthy people um, try to avoid paying as much tax as humanly possible. In other news, bears excrete in woods. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I think I think the Panama Papers leak kind of affirmed everybody's suspicions about what the uber rich are are getting up to and in terms of evading tax. Uh, what I do find woeful, though, is how bad the security was at the, <laughs> the firm. Yeah, if you're exposing people's details right down to the last letter, yeah. And uh, Charlie ran a story on this yesterday, just mm. looking at how uh, the website for Mossack Fonseca, if I've mispronounced Let that. Let me look it up because uh, I, it's one of those those wor- those names that you look at it and you think, I can pronounce that. <laughs> yeah. And then you give it a go and you go, and it's wrong. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm an idiot. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look it up now. Uh, but yeah, I, I say what though, for me, what was interesting is it's going to make um, – a lot of, I mean, like for example, like you, you, that that list of people who are hiding stuff in offshore uh, tax havens. Yeah, people like Jackie Chan, not Jackie Chan, <laughs> and um, Lionel Messi, um, Simon Cowell has been named as well yeah. in the Guardian. I mean, those people don't really shock me. Um, and to be quite frank, I don't expect people who pull in seven figure salaries to do anything else. Um, I've never really been a fan of Simon Cowell, so the fact yeah. that he's, he, he, he legally, I think legally, evades tax doesn't really, you know, it, it's not like I, I looked at him and went, wow, I would never have thought Simon Cowell would do such a thing, you know. But, you know, so celebrities, I think, are kind of in the clear, and corporations, as long as they're behaving legally, are kind of in the clear, as long as their reputations don't depend on them uh, swanning around, uh, you know, making gestures that they care about people or they care about society. Yeah. Politicians, on the other hand... Yeah, that's where it gets sticky. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if you've seen what's happening in the UK at the moment with David Cameron. David Cameron having yeah. to admit that, yes, my yeah, father, First of all, it was a private matter, which Edward Snowden got a huge kick out of. Then, of course, it was like, well, I'm, I haven't benefited. And then and t- today, it's I, I may have been benefited, <laughs> um, you know... And this is a guy who, um, you know, vowed to crack down on um, uh, on, ta- on tax evasion because mm-hmm. he, you know that was a campaign promise in both of his campaigns, and he has a chancellor who back in who who is who is you know close back as 2014 was quoted as saying people who evade tax are worse than criminals. Wow! <laughs> so it's going to be very very hard for these guys to stand at the dispatch box in Britain and go we're all in this together, you know. <laughs> Um, and then, obviously, of course, the uh, Icelandic prize, prime minister yeah, who he, happened to step down. Yeah. I mean, that is pretty big. A few <laughs> thousand people 
protests on the streets for prime minister to step down and he goes how many times has that happened in certain countries for example <laughs> well, there's South only Africa? like about 12 people in iceland anyway I mean, you can but tell them all individually like, what you're thinking oh, this small group of people did this and it was enough to remove their country's leader but yeah it takes a bit more in what i found countries. interesting about it as well is that iceland is, has well, in terms of their politics has a reputation for upsetting the people um <laughs> yeah in terms of banks well, yes and no, but, but the thing is also Iceland has a, a, another reputation, which is unlike a lot of other uh, first world countries who, once the financial crisis hit, spent billions of taxpayers' money bailing out banks that had done really dodgy investments and really bad loans. Yeah. Iceland arrested these bankers and threw them in prison. Yeah. You know, <laughs> so, so when, I, when I saw that the president of Iceland was on that Panama Papers list. I was like, you're not long for this world, buddy. Yeah, that was my Seriously. exactly as well. And the fact that within, what was it, th- within this week, he was asked to step down. And he did. And he did. Now, in this country, <laughs> we can't imagine a president doing that. Never. <laughs> never. Although, to be fair, uh, we haven't heard much in terms of what's happening with South Africa, except for Kulubuse uh, Zuma. And apparently... Uh, well, I've, I only saw this on Twitter, so I really cannot confirm. Um, real estate mogul Pam Golding was also implicated, but like I said, um, I, 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 I did not see anything else or any okay. official report to confirm that. But apparently, she was, that. you know, implicated. So we'll see. But yeah, Kulubu Sezuma, um not a stranger to corruption charges. And apparently when he, they asked him about it, oh, so what's your opinion? You know, what's your comment? You've been implicated. Like, um, it's been public knowledge for six years now. No surprise. And he was <laughs> like, well, okay. oh, well. he's well, not phased. Just so you know, the uh, firm in question in Panama is called Mossack Fonseca. Mossack Fonseca. Pronounced Mossack, as you see it. I think so. Okay. Uh, somewhere out there in Panama, there might be someone going, Monseca, you idiot. But, uh, <laughs> but like, you know, it's, uh, it's Mossack Fonseca. Uh, interesting also, uh, while I'm scrolling through this, uh, Vladimir Putin's uh, come up and, uh, and said uh, his little piece about uh, the um, the, the uh, Panama Papers, because yeah. you might remember that he was named in them as well. Yeah. Um, Actually, um, people linked to him. Yeah, spiriting named. away two billion dollars and he has said it's a conspiracy to undermine russia <laughs> done yeah. i feel like that's yeah yeah <laughs> maybe he just like looked at read a new age uh headline i was like yeah that'll that'll, that'll work uh it, it is a game changer though i think just, i mean just yeah. just just from the amount that um that the that the amounts that we're talking about and the individuals we're talking about i mean anybody i think who's got two brain cells to rub together knows that the that that you know there's there's a gap between the haves and the have nots and that gap has been steadily growing over the years um and that the system seems to be rigged completely and utterly in favor of the rich but like you know if you start to go into that you used to sound like a conspiracy theorist yeah. now of course you've got documented proof that it's like that um, my favorite excuse uh, that a lot of uh, that, I've, that I've seen bandied about on social media is that by and large a lot of these people who have been spiriting away all this money aren't doing anything illegal they're just being unethical yes and this this is interesting to me because does that mean it stops dead in its tracks or does that mean people will turn around and go 
well, I don't care if it's not illegal. The law then must be changed yeah. because you hear that sucking sound. Our schools, our hospitals, our public services all disappearing because we yeah. are constantly told that we don't have enough money to pay for them. Well, from the looks of things, if you guys paid your fair share in tax, we would have. We would have. You know, um, you know. I think that my favorite quote of the whole thing so far has been a comedian in the UK called Mark Steele. And he said, well, we shouldn't worry about these people who use offshore accounts because if we tax them properly and make them pay their fair share, they'll leave the country where they don't pay taxes and go somewhere else where they don't pay taxes. And we don't want that. <laughs> you know? It does give a huge lie to the idea that like, if you tax these super rich people, they'll leave the country and then the economy will fall. It's like... From the sounds of things, it doesn't really matter whether they leave or not because yeah. they're not paying anything anyway. Exactly. Or paying as little as humanly possible. Exactly. Anyway, let's get on to some more fun stuff. Yeah. You and I both went to a phone launch this week. Yeah. And mine was better. Yeah, it was better. <laughs> you went to LG. I went to LG. Went to I went to the Huawei Mate 8 launch last night. Big um, show, right? Yeah. Huawei we should do this so another they week. Always, they always do a horse and pony show. Yep. Yeah. I mean, last year for the Mate S, they had like dancers and statue people like mm -hmm. climbing on top of one another. Sounds very Huawei. The iPhone launch last year had like people on silken uh, ropes twirling around Cirque du Soleil yeah, kind very, of thing. very Cirque du Soleil sort of things so, so what happened was uh, the event was scheduled to start at 5 in 4 ways mm -hmm. uh, and anybody travelling from one end of Joburg into 4 ways will know that that's, that's not always a good idea but mm -hmm. traffic was fine, thanks Joburg um, <laughs> but anyway so we arrived there and they gave us uh, all the information we needed about the, the, uh, the handsets which is kind of interesting um, it's a business orientated phone, six inch screen. Mm -hmm. uh, it's been out for six months overseas. Uh, yeah, that. Is it five or six months? Uh, it's been since November okay. in some parts of the world. Although it was only officially launched, like officially, officially to the rest of the world in uh, at CES. But still, we're getting it a okay. little bit late in yeah. terms of the rest mm. of the world, especially given that the P9 is coming. <sighs> but anyway, so they gave us all the information that we needed and then we proceeded to wait around for the VIP guests to arrive. Oh, who was there? Who was there? Uh, Jay something. There was, yeah, Jay <laughs> something, the uh, creative director of Huawei was there. Mm -hmm. um, there was Kanye was, West there. There was a swimmer whose name, Ray Nierthling. Uh, he was there. He's uh, a bona fide businessman yeah, these days. Yeah, he's he? like a property investor. Mm -hmm. uh, anyway, so uh, they had all these people there, and then we watched the same presentation again, only this time there were a few issues with the, the video. Um, aside from all of that, though, once we actually got down to handling the handset, it was about – we had about – well, we – did that in about 15 minutes but the original presentation was 16 minutes the other presentation was close on an hour so what time did you get out of there uh i forget the time i didn't did you get a phone to watch. review no right we have we have been we have been told that we will be getting one for review so i'm not too, so, too worried about that but one of the things that a lot of the people there uh were saying was the people that aren't vips and i'm not going to name any names here um was that a big event like this is cool, and we understand you want to show off, you want to make your product, you want to launch your product with a bang. But in terms of the journos that arrive at these events, like a lot of us have been up since five o'clock <laughs> all day, all day, and mm. we're here to write about your phone because we're interested in the phone, the actual product, exactly, yes. not mm. the horse and pony show that comes along with it. <laughs> um, 
Well, uh, speaking of horse and pony shows, uh, the one I went to yeah. at the Four Seasons Hotel in Westcliff, don't you know, uh, was very nice, as a matter of fact. Uh, very, very slick. Uh, we went there, had a coffee, had an orange juice, had a breakfast, and it was great because uh, we were supposed to start at uh, 10 o'clock. We started at quarter past 10, which is quite quick for these events. Mm-hmm. We get a 45-minute presentation, uh, which told us everything we needed to know about the phone. And they had a play area set up right behind us so we could go and have a go on it. And, you know, you could snap in the different uh, – because the LG G5 is basically a modular phone that you can snap different um, appendages to. Yeah. They're called friends. <laughs> and you've got things like uh, VR glasses. You've got uh, better speakers. You've got um, a better camera that you yeah. can snap to it. My favorite thing wasn't there, though. They, you've got a, the, the, the phone, uh, one of the phone's friends is actually this little ball, it's a yeah. little droid. Okay. Like, what's it called? B- BB-8. BB-8. It, it rolls around like like that, like BB-8, yeah. and you can film with it. Oh, wow. So can you think of, like, the fun you'd have just, like, rolling it around the office and, like, you know, <laughs> what's Dorothy talking about? Uh, <laughs> Mauritius again. Never mind. You know? But, yeah, I mean, it, it looks – it's a sexy little phone. And also, we got a phone to take away to review, which yeah. you've I'm, been I'm, playing with I'm, all week. I've been playing with it all week. Unfortunately, we didn't get any friends. Yeah, How are you finding it so far? It's growing on me. Yeah. Um, I, I wasn't too... Uh, look, we just had the Galaxy S7 in for review, and that, that blew my mind. Um, yeah, mind blown. It was, it was, it's a fantastic device. And... Uh, being handed the LG version, I was kind of like, oh, it's not, I don't feel like it's going to be as good. But I mean, in terms of performance, it's doing as well as the the S7. The battery life isn't isn't Great. up to scratch. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're still running the hardcore battery test, so I'm going to hold out on criticism for that for the moment. But it's a it's a snappy little phone. The camera is really nice. The wide angle lens is really nice. Mm-hmm. It, and uh, what, when you actually take out the battery, you are oh, you, the battery comes you, out. Yeah, you can yeah, actually remove the. Like I said, it's all modular. Yeah. The modules that you snap into those, some of them have extra battery life on them. So Yay. the bottom of the phone yeah. actually slots out. And when you see the size of the battery um, and then look at the size in comparison to the phone, you realize just how small all the components have to be to fit into this this phone. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the review will be up next week. It's a really, really nice little phone that's growing on me more the more and more I use it. It's mm-hmm. out today, um, isn't it? Uh, oh, no, it's out next week out Friday. Week, yeah, uh, next week Friday. Out next week Friday. Um, we don't have pricing on it yet, but uh, apparently Take a Lot's going to be um, going to be putting up prices soon. Um, yeah, I, I expect it to be around the thirteen thousand rand mark, somewhere around there. The flag you are right, sir. We were told, um, and this is by no means gospel. Yeah, but we were told that the, the the price range they're looking at just for the phone, if you're like not getting it with a package or a contract yeah. and stuff like that, is eleven seven nine nine. That's not bad. I mean, uh, the Huawei Mate S or Mate Eight, brother. Uh, is retailing for around 13,000 rand. Mm-hmm. Um, so expensive. It's very expensive. Uh, th- it's affordable. We, we've got a little rundown on the site today. You can have mm-hmm. a check. You can have a look at. Um, my advice to you, though, is if you are considering getting a Huawei, wait until the P9 lands here, which is rumored to be in June. Huh. So, it's very soon. Yeah. Which is very, very soon. So I would say hold out just a little bit longer. Keep your old phone. Just wait a little bit longer, unless you must absolutely have one. Then perhaps the the Mate Eight Speaking is worth looking at. Speaking um, of keeping your old phone, and maybe I'm digressing a bit here, but do you think that in today's age, 2016, versus 
2006 and maybe even 1999, 2000s, when people really started to get phones and really, you know, get their first handsets or something like that, Mm. that we're now more impatient or get bored quickly with our cell phones. So we have a phone for a year, like, um, I want another one. Or And back then, we used to keep phones for a bit longer, like two years, three years, four years, and yeah. then only getting your phone. Do you, do, you, do you also feel like that's happening a lot more often, that people are just opting to like buy a phone every year or every two years, whereas 10-odd years ago, people, we'd wait like in a good three years having yeah. a phone in our hands and move on to the next one. And besides the entire, oh, um, phones of today, you know, they, the screens crack, you know, b- besides the whole hardware yeah. um, aspect of things. But are we just a bit less impatient and we get bo- more uh, easily bored with our phones than we used to? Well, with what, looking at my circle of friends and people that I speak to, mm-hmm. um, everybody I know upgrades their phone at least once a year. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, that's if they don't drop it and crack the screen or whatever, yeah. or whatever that may be in terms of hardware faults or whatever. Yeah. But in terms of just having a phone and upgrading it, I've noticed that over the last five years or so, mm-hmm. um, my friends are basically going every year and picking mm-hmm. up a new cell phone. Whether that's because of their contracts, because they choose twelve month contracts instead of twenty four, mm-hmm. remains to be seen. But yeah, it's, I've, I've noticed it, and it, I think it has a lot to do with. Uh, "Quote unquote Moore's law, mm-hmm. uh, where the a number of transistors doubles every year, mm. and everything gets faster every year, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera. Mm. I think people just want want to, uh, like a FOMO almost, but they want to keep <laughs> they want to keep ahead of what's happening in the world. True. I mean, I would be a little bit angry if after a while I can't play Candy Crush or whatever on phone anymore <laughs> yeah. because it's just oh, not really? it's not able to <laughs> keep up. You with play the Candy demands. Crush? No, I don't. I don't play. Then why would you be angry that you games. can't play it anymore? Well, if I was what? into Candy Crush, would you be angry if you can't play Candy Crush? Because um, you no, do I'm play. Not, it. I'm not addicted. She's a to Candy it. Crush player. I'm a crusher, but I'm not addicted to it. I can go. Oh, you can quit any time you like. Mm. Uh, yeah, right. Oh, Whoever heard that? <laughs> Just so, before we go, though, yeah, there is something rather interesting that's happening, and I say <sighs> interesting. It's it's a little bit strange. It's cool. <laughs> this is your strangeness. spreadsheet competition. This isn't is it? the spreadsheet competition. Microsoft <laughs> Excel champ. Spreadsheet competition. Yes. Yeah. So basically. Basically, what it is, Microsoft. Uh, Are you an Excel ninja? Yeah. Yeah. Oh no! no. Count me out. I'm Can sorry. Can you pivot table with the best of them? Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, so Microsoft has this competition where they are looking for the Excel champion, somebody <laughs> that is really, really good at Excel. And if you think about it, right, Excel on the surface seems like a pretty basic program. But once you start scratching away, it's quite intense. Mm. Um, the stuff that you can do there, you can make full-on games in the program. Like it's, it's actually a really cool, nifty little program. So Microsoft is looking for people that are really good at Excel and rewarding them through a competition. So it was originally picked to start on the 4th of April, but uh, everyone that managed to enter by that date um, had entered, but then there mm-hmm. was a lot more in- interest in the entry, so they extended a bit till the 11th of April. Right. Mm. So now that it's open until the 11th of April, you can head to the Microsoft Facebook page. So you got basically until Tuesday. Yes. Right. So next, next Tuesday. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if you're interested in this at all, we suggest you go to the Microsoft Facebook page, uh, like the page, and you'll find all the information and, or information and about how to complete it there. Basically what it is is you're given a spreadsheet mm-hmm. that you need to then solve. You need to arrange uh, data in some way. And that sort of thing. And then you get put into a draw. Uh, 
the winners of that of that draw will then go through to the next stage of the competition, which is at the end of the month, 24th, 25th of April. Mm-hmm. And you can actually win yourself some really cool prizes. Cool. Um, you can win yourself a Dell Latitude E7470 notebook, which is actually a really nice little notebook uh, for a business professional. Um, Microsoft Office for Life? Yeah, uh, you get a year <laughs> subscription to Office 365, oh, just which year. is pretty cool. Well, if um, you're going to die in a year, it would be for life. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's yeah. And then you also get a Lumia 1320 smartphone, a Jabra headset, and a Microsoft mouse. And the Jabra headset, like, oh, it's just a headset. Those things retail for like a thousand rand. So yeah, it's actually a really, yeah. really nice little device nice. that you can get there for filling in some Excel spreadsheets. Are you going to enter? I tried. And realize very quickly that I don't know enough about Excel to. And you're not going to look mm, you into the championship. You think you know, and then you, you get yeah. there and you're like, eh, no. See, the only thing I've got marked in my calendar for next week is uh, board game night at Amuse Cafe, which is uh, over in Linden. I think it's on fourth. I think I'm going to have to. I'm going to go away from you. I'm totally going down there. Um, sounds like fun. Board, board game night. Yeah, board guys. game night. Oh, okay. Board games can Sounds be really cool. fun. Board games, card games. They're fun games. when you Where win. you win nothing except <laughs> yes. bragging rights. Exactly. And that's uh, what you really So win. I'm going to take my copy of Netrunner down there and have a go. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. It, it, just if you're interested in a muse cafe, you can, also Come go, on down. you can also go down there on Sundays where they have like a vintage vinyl sale. And oh, pick wow. up like old records and stuff. Wow. That's, that's a funky little place. Anyway, um, with that in mind, uh, we got to get back to work. So yeah. thank you very much for listening. Um, and thank you for staying awake during the Home Affairs uh, lecture. Uh, we, uh, you know, pay your taxes. Don't hide them offshore. And yeah, uh, check, <laughs> out, find check out some phones in an Excel spreadsheet competition. This has been a weird podcast. It has been, but it's been fun. Yeah. Okay. So thank you very much, Brendan. Thank you so much, Nick. Thank you very much, Lungello. Goodbye and have a good weekend. Goodbye, guys. Sorry, the number you have dialed is not in service at this time.